Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Mixtape. We have returned again for another episode, and I know it's been a short time since our last one. Please check it out. It's the we recorded the Limp Biscuit episode where we talked about Three Dollar Bill, y'all. So you know that's one of our favorite albums of all time. Stay tuned, guys. We're attempting to be consistent with our release schedule now. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, yeah. hopefully consistent. Um, so on this episode, we're going to be doing a Daniel deep dive, and it is on the artist MF Doom, which is an artist Daniel has mentioned to us, uh, to me, to us, pretty much the whole MoQuest crew and anyone who's contributed at some point or another, plenty of times. I need to go back and check on that. Uh, there were, were there some tracks from him on our yes, hip hop podcast? Uh, yes. Um, and I think a couple of the other episodes of the previous iteration of Navi mixtape uh because i i fucking love this artist and right. uh and that's why and actually we had planned kind of wanting to we kind of wanted to do this last year yes yeah. and uh we had a few episodes lined up i think we only did one uh that didn't pan out so well if you are or if you would like to subscribe to our Patreon, you can probably, find out what it is. Yeah, you can find out which uh, album we talked about <laughs> whenever we decided to do our classic album series. So, like I said, MF Doom, Daniel has compiled a mixtape of sorts uh, so that, that I could listen to because I'm not too familiar with MF Doom. I heard about his uh, death last year. Again, talking about some of the some of the tracks that are on this uh, episode. I barely delved into this recently. Uh, so this is all new to me. Probably about a month, maybe. We started We started compiling the list, LeBron. What time do you think? Oh, geez. This list? The original list. The yeah. original list. Uh, months ago, I was still in Washington. So this right. was, yeah. we're talking probably... It's been months. Easily yeah. four to five months right. on the outside. Right. Yeah. So we've been, I've been listening off and on. Um, I didn't like delve deep probably until about maybe a few, maybe it's about two weeks ago. Where actually just you sit down and you listen because I mean, as a fan of uh, music in general, there's a point in time where you miss where you can just sit down and focus on what you're listening to. And that doesn't happen often. Um, normally I'm driving, doing something else. It's just playing in the background. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to work for those moments. Right. Um, I listened to this a few times, the playlist a few times uh, with uh, some good headphones. Just sat there and just tried to absorb all the the nuance that's going on. Because usually when you're doing something else, you just hear kind of uh, the general song, just the general noise. But uh, I really wanted to delve into the lyrics, um, the music that's going on in the background. Just really wanted to like explore MF Doom for the artist that Daniel says that he is. And I mean, I feel like I got a lot of that. So cool. Um, yeah. Daniel? And uh, even before we get to the list, just a little bit of a, I guess, a preface to that. Uh, as Ray mentioned, there was an earlier iteration of the Doom list. And we do have the intent of having Ray quiz me as to why I didn't feel certain things made the cut for the list we're going to go through. I accept all blame <laughs> for that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, well, we the the list is like basically someone who's being introduced to Doom, and I, I again I don't know your criteria 
as of late. I know whenever I've made mixtapes either for myself or someone else regarding an artist that they've never really heard before, I can't really decide on whether or not I want to give them what I consider their best or kind of, I guess, what would be considered like B-sides, so to speak. Word, and I think that's what kind of resulted in uh, this list mm-hmm. um, that we're going to go over here in a little bit. The initial list was probably like a, here is a great compilation of what he did. But I felt, well, there are some gross exclusions I've made. Mm-hmm. There are some kind of like, you know, oh, of course this track would be on a top. I think there's 11 tracks on this list. I don't 12. remember. 12. 12, okay. yeah. Um, Which is standard for like a normal like CD or cassette. Yeah. I kind of wanted to hit Doom at some of the more obscure parts in some ways because uh, I recently got introduced to uh, through via Reddit a Spotify playlist of just – kind of doing B-sides and stuff he featured on mm-hmm. and stuff that and there's like about 170 odd tracks of just shit where some of it's like, what is this? And so some of that hit this list because it's new to me. It feels very fresh, but then there's another part, which part of it, which we'll get to as we get, whenever we get to the list itself, as far as personal choices upon the track decisions was uh, sometimes it's kind of cool to see doom just go off mm-hmm. and, weave the little vignettes that he makes like it's it's where we'll get into kind of his um you know some of the stuff that he said about his uh creative process because uh that's also something like when i really started getting into this guy and seeing some of these interviews and i always went whoa like some of this might be bullshit but if 10 percent of it's accurate then like whoa that's really kind of cool that you think in these ways when you approach uh mm-hmm. rap you delve into many artists in the rap genre, rap hip hop genre. What do you? Th- I mean, this might be jumping the gun here, but what do you think uh, MF Doom falls in that um, category for you? For me, um, one of the greats. Uh, wouldn't be doing this episode otherwise. Um, but uh, well, I mean, we did do Limp Biscuit, so. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> but you can reserve judgment on how you feel about that. But, I mean, uh, Doom became known as, you know, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Right, okay. In certain regards. Uh, uh, Most Def um, has, I think, covered twice, one where he looked like high as shit doing a Doom track called All Caps. And mm-hmm. then after Doom died, shortly after Doom died, um, he did a little music video where he does, like, another cover of this track. Um, okay. And I believe it was uh, Kanye West did a cover of the last song on this playlist um, shortly after Doom died and no matter what you feel about Kanye and I've got really no opinion, I haven't really listened to his shit that much and Mm -hmm. I think he's just another weird celebrity guy for the most part Um, but he is very well regarded as being just like a kind of a master of his craft and so if that gets folks to go, okay, you know, I like this guy a little bit or whatever, or even just, you know, understand the importance of like what Kanye did, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Maybe someday we'll do college dropout or something for a night mixed days. Go, okay, this guy's weird as shit, but let's give it a try because this is one of those albums that hits lists of right. like greatest of all time of, yeah. and shit. Yeah. 
So there may be something to that. Um, but we're talking about a guy who managed to weave a whole world of characters, as he called them, and kept basically everything about him a secret. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just going online, you don't find too much about him. Yeah, I so mean, I, 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 find, I found a few things, but, like, you would think there'd be a, a bit more of an abundance with, as long as he's been around. And But, like you said, he seems oh, yeah. to be a pretty and secretive person. The list of people he collaborated with is, is really wild, you know, because some of it would be from a production side. Because, like, Tom York did oh, okay. a rendition of some instrumentals for a track off the Born like this album. Mm -hmm. Um Beck fucked with a song. Oh, okay. Um, we got ASAP Rock, who, or who is probably one of the most verbose rappers of all time. Uh, there's this cool infographic online. I don't know if you've seen it, where they show about like basically unique words used in their tracks, mm. and they have just this little like infographic. And MF Doom is out pretty far beyond the beyond the pack. Aesop Rock is just way past that. And there's no one that's even remotely close to the amount of like unique words he's used in his rap music. Okay. Um, and he's, he's, he's fucking badass. See, um, I'm not even familiar with that person, band, whatever the word. Um, but artist. then you have messed a little bit with a uh, Zarface. Yeah. And that's in pose of a uh, inspector deck from Wu-Tang Clan. Logic, who's a pretty well-regarded rapper, and 7L, I'm not sure how big he is, but he does a lot of their production, if not all of it. Yeah, I've never heard of it, heard anything Logic has done. I know he is a writer at the moment, or he's done some books. Yeah, and he's also collabed with the Wu-Tang um, mm -hmm. on other projects, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. Others that he's collabed with, uh, Raekwon, also from Wu-Tang, um, he collaborated with the Gorillas, uh, Ghostface Killer, also from the Wu, uh, mm -hmm. Del the Funky Homo Sapien, uh, Talib Kweli, uh, CeeLo Green, Vinny Paz, and uh, of course Slug from Atmosphere. Um, but that's a relatively short list because mm -hmm. there's just there's all this crap I found on like that Lucy Spotify list where it's just some random ass person and Doom is putting a verse on it. And one of the more interesting uh surprise spots that doom had for me was uh his cousin i believe it is is part of like a punk band in britain oh really and uh doom got on that track <laughs> and interesting yeah and uh fuck i should have written that down but i just went like okay cool like you know because another part of uh this list is kind of show doom kind of could rap about over about anything right uh instrumentally from from bells to accordions to fucking just weird almost borderline like club synth pop sounds like in you see but that's one thing that um as i was listening to this uh playlist interested me because nothing really sound the same and they're on the original playlist um what caught my ear immediately i think it was the first track you had on there which was hey um, had like the Scooby-Doo music in yep. there. And that threw me off a bit, but in a good way because I wasn't expecting that. You know, normally you hear hip-hop is pretty much a drum beat, yeah. maybe a bass line, 
But I wasn't expecting a cut from fucking Scooby-Doo to be like uh, interlaced in the whole song. And that really surprised me. So Yeah. And um, with that, I guess it's a good time as any, you know, you invoke the Scooby-Doo, you know, stuff he mixed into his work. Doom, he would just... I can't remember the terminology used exactly for how it'd be kind of like a, just whatever he's working on. Mm. Sometimes he will fuck with it for a little bit, let it set for months and then go back to it. But he's just finding the right sample, the right Mm -hmm. thing. And he was very much a perfectionist in what he was doing. And in interviews, he's talked about how like, it's like, Oh, there's always something else you could do with it, you know? And, Along with discussions of, you know, like, as he answered a Q&A thing about uh, how, like, you know, what are some tips to stay at the top or whatever. And he's like, I'm not at the top. I'm always everyday learning. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of the stuff we take kind of as cliche almost. Right. But he's just like, yo, like, so like, I'm not at the top. So, like, I don't really have anything to, like, speak on that question because I'm always perfecting what I'm doing. Right. And every day I'm trying to read something, you know, whatever, like. You know, I, I mean, I've, I've read some other artists who kind of do the same thing where, and, and it kind of baffles me a little bit where I sometimes am under the impression that uh, whenever it comes to music or lyrics and stuff, a lot of, you hear a lot of times where people write things just in the moment and that's kind of like how it stays. It's, I, I rarely hear where our artist takes months to write like one song or write lyrics to this or like add a sample to that. I think the last time I heard someone who was well-regarded and like has been around for a long time, I think it was Leonard Cohen who like took months. I could have been a year. I really don't know, but it was, I know I'm pretty sure it was months like just to write like that song, Hallelujah, Word. just the lyrics to that. And that surprised me. Cause again, I'm always under the impression that people just sit down and just duke it out, you know? Well, I mean, fuck, I mean, Everyone's got their process, and yeah. uh, when we get to the story of uh, Mad Villainy a little bit later, um, that was an amazing collaboration as far as, like, how they interacted or didn't really interact during the process of making mm-hmm. this album, and it's one of the well, most well-regarded, like, hip-hop albums out there. Yeah. Before we dive into the life of Daniel Dumoulin, who later became known as MF Doom, um as far as his sampling goes and his, the content of his rhymes, I mean, he's getting to Batman and Robin comics, mm-hmm. Marvel stuff. I mean, his whole moniker is based off of fucking Marvel you know, character. Yeah. Dr. Doom. Right. But we'll get there in the character creation section of this uh, program. Cause there was a plan guys, but it's just a, uh, and I hope to demonstrate how like through the course of this episode, how complex this guy is. Um, or multifaceted, really. Because um, mm-hmm. the important thing to remember about MF Doom is that he's about making money, despite all the cool stuff. He's like he's trying to make a buck off this shit, you know? Right. Um, Which is strange, too, because, I mean, you would assume that someone would just stick, I guess, the one thing that made him or, like, something that's well-regarded, like you said, that was a mad villainy, mm-hmm. and kind of try to duplicate that a little bit more. But you see that he doesn't do that, and he continues on. But 
Yeah, he is. He's just just from what you're telling me. Like, if he's just trying to make money, but he's also it seems like he's more of an artist. First. Yeah, but yeah. it's it's you know he's not you know make millions, but right. Just I'm, to I'm be just trying to make yeah. some ends off this. Right. Like you know, there's a track on this list that one of the reasons that I picked it was he talks about how you can pay the herbalizers who I believe did the the instrumentals for the track. You know, give them their share, and then you could pay Doom and Beers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And to be fair, at the time of his death, it was it is believed that Doom was worth about one million when he died. So not incredibly wealthy, but probably not hurting. Right. Um, Very pretty comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Considering most folks. <laughs> As we stumble through this episode, uh, I do have a recommended way to listen to the latter part of this episode uh, because there is a playlist associated with this, but and we're going to do this ourselves. Stop the, stop the recording, and you're and you're gonna just stop the the you know the play or fuck, stop the file from playing, right? And listen to this track, and then come back to it and hear our take on it uh, because uh, I think that there's some stuff that I'm going to argue about Daniel Dumoulin that will become prevalent if you actually listen to some of the tracks on this playlist. So. That's where we're going to do it, and uh, normally we try to include the track, but now we're just afraid of DMC, DMCA bullshit or DCMA, whatever the fuck it is. Whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, the uh, don't use copyrighted bullshit or right. take your shit down or demonetize you, and we're not even, like, monetized. Right, so <laughs> <laughs> I think the risk is of uh, we were monetized. We could probably pay for those fees. But we're not. So, again, Anatomy Mixtape is more of a, I want to say like a labor of love, if you will. Sure, uh, we, that's fair. We do it primarily more for um, just our own benefit. We like talking about music. We like listening to music and yeah, like exploring even different types of music too. Ray and I both have an affinity for lists as well. Yeah. Just you know. Yeah, hence the mixtape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just creating a certain amount of lists uh just on your preference, on your themes and stuff like that and there's certain artists that we like to delve deep into because it, sometimes they have I mean there's a lot of times where there's certain artists that have uh, greatest hits and that's probably like their best selling because yeah. everyone just wants the the hits, you know. You want those uh, the list of uh, those songs that just really slap. So, um, in this case, we want to take a certain a bit of a different approach. Like uh, it's on our perspective what we think is crucial for, I guess the either the first time listener or someone who's a fan. Like, what is their perspective on it? I guess we're getting to the story of Daniel Dumoulin now. <laughs> um, so born July 13th, 1979 or 71 and died October 31st of last year, being 2020, depending on when you're listening to this. Originally born in London, which is something to remember because um, it becomes prevalent later in his life. Born in London, his uh, apparently his mother was on vacation out that way and he popped out. So he's technically a British citizen, but family based in uh, Long Island, New York. That was a fact I just found out maybe about three hours ago that prior, prior to us recording. Yeah, that he was actually, I guess, like a London or UK citizen. Yeah. Yeah. Assuming he had a regular home life, uh, he did have uh, five siblings. He was the oldest. And Doom started DJing after the summer of third grade by uh, 
1988, after fucking around with the hip hop scene a little bit, he and his brother, and there's there were a few faces that came in and out of the story or out of the group, but they formed a KMD, causing much, much, much destruction. Doom at the time did not have the Doom moniker, but at the time he was known as Zev Love X, and his brother went by the name of uh, Sub Rock, and the other dudes aren't really important to this story too much. We're worried about Dumoulet and his trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, so KMD had a very short-lived history, but they were impactful. They were very heavily influenced by the 5% Nation. Um, are you familiar with those dudes? I'm not. The, the only thing I know about this group is that it was like early 90s, like very beginning of the 90s. Um, and I just know the results or like the end result of whatever happened with this group. I don't know anything else about it or who they were associated with. Well, it's uh, inspired by Islam. Okay. And... Uh, well, I knew they they were that was their dad or their mom Islam Islamic. Um, they grew up as Islam. That right? I do not know, but they may have grown up Muslim. Right. But by the time they were young adults, uh, they were into five percenter ideology, okay. and so how the five percenters perceive things. And this is a very dumbed down thing because I started stumbling down this hole earlier today. And said, stop, (laughs) you're going to go too deep and then have to listen to all of KMD, which I haven't really done that much. Did they they actually have an album? Yes, they had uh, two actually. And uh, we'll get into that here shortly. But first about the five percenters, because I think this is very important to Dumoulet's later works and perspective on life. So according to five percenters, there's 15% or sorry, 10% of this world's population that basically pull the strings, have all the wealth. There's 5% that are kind of the enlightened ones. And then their job is to basically save the 85%. Was this the Valley Strange aspect that you were mentioning? Yes, because <laughs> it's because within their ideology, um, there's basically like self divination involved, so very left hand pathness or okay. pathiness, where it's they are actually the godhead. Men are referred to as gods, and women as earths. Um, so like I said, this starts something really fascinating, and I just stopped there. Right, <laughs> but the idea of the five percenters is that you know they're the ones trying to expose people to the light of. Situate of what's going on and get people out of, you know, whatever real or perceived danger they're in from the 10% that runs everything. Okay. Um, and I think that this bleeds into Dumoulin's music later and some of the stuff that he was on and potentially why he wasn't allowed in the United States in 2010. You think that had something to do with it? Potentially. Hmm. But as we go through our, our albums, um, well, he he went back to the UK at some point, right? Was that around the time that they wouldn't allow him back in? Yes, he was on tour for his, um, I believe it was because um, he got denied reentry in 2010, and uh, 2009 he released uh, the Born Like This album, which, if it's helpful. 
to considering why he maybe wasn't allowed reentry was because he literally had Charles Bukowski spoken word poetry as a ha- as part of half of this track for a track called Cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also a track on the album where Doom, <laughs> uh, it's called Absolutely, and it's basically about killing cops. But he <laughs> talks about not hitting like the beat walkers, but hitting, you know, the, the sergeants and hires and stuff. You. And, you know, but hey, you know, street pigs will get caught up in the crossfire. Oh. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he's wrapping all this, you know, bullshit and has, and it's believed that he kind of got had a more lax opinion on or lax, more relaxed conceptualization of kind of these five percenter ideals. Okay. Um, but interestingly, this is something that I knew that I knew the story a little bit, but I didn't know actually what they were uh, talking to Congress about was, but in uh, 1991, uh, doom and uh sub wasn't there, but there was like one or two other members of KMD actually went to a congressional hearing over the motor voter bill that they're proposing, which was, yeah, where it was like you could go to the DMV to register for your license Mm -hmm. or where you get your license, you can register to vote and also to be able to register to vote by mail. Um, So Doom and members of KMD were there and addressed Congress about how this was a good thing and we should support it or whatever. And, Fucking Dumoulin was a British citizen. <laughs> but I think that he was actually true to those, you know, 5% ideals, you know, because right. like, you know, more people to vote or whatever, potentially more change to be enacted in ways that is desirable for the populace. But his, um, his citizenship didn't come into question at any point. Like, Not other than the fact that he, when he went to the UK. To my knowledge, yeah, it never came up, you know, like he just never became a US citizen. Why? Well, I mean, I, I would imagine like if you're just here and no one's hassling you about it, you just kind of go with the flow and don't really doesn't really come up. Yeah. Until it does. <laughs> but that's kind of strange that uh, the possibility that um, certain beliefs or like that album dropping like now did he travel? He he traveled before that, right? Yes. Okay. Um. Not sure how widespread or whatever, but you know, I'm pretty sure it was out of the country for sure. Yeah. I would imagine, yeah. yeah. Um, but nothing really came up until after he dropped that until album. that album, yeah. And I think in but with other albums, if they really kind of went into a deep dive, that I think that Dumoulin got it. The conspiracy is there's no conspiracy. It's just the things we designed that way. Right. That we do have reptilians that are fucking with us. Um, and I've got a couple of points that we'll get to on the way where <laughs> I've got potentially some support for that idea. Okay. But I think that Doom got it and let us know from time to time in his music and through his characters. And hopefully I do a decent enough idea to try to promote this idea that I'm trying to spout. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Getting back to KMD, um, they did get signed with Electra Records. In 1991, they released an album called Mr. Hood. They did get a deal for a second album. It was supposed to be called uh, Black Bastards. 
And it did get released uh, some years later, but nowhere near the 1993, 1994 initial release, uh, release schedule um, due to a number of factors. Um the biggest thing was that the record label was not happy with the album art for the Black Bastards album because they had a uh, game of a hangman. And I think the A's were gone, left to fill in for Black Bastards. Right, okay. Um, and they had a Sambo character, like, hanged. Um, but the... Sambo figure that they had. They also put like the ones like like no smoking bars over it, right? Because for them, you know, it's just, you know a we're beyond these stereotypes and whatever the fuck. Like you know, we're gonna smash those. We're against those. Like, but the record label didn't like it, so they shelved the record. But before the album was even done, tragedy struck the KMD family and particularly Daniel Dumoulin because his brother was killed. He was uh, trying to cross a freeway there in Long Island and got whacked with a car. And so at this point, Black Bastards had, I think, a couple more months of work that needed to be done on it. So Dumoulin took it upon himself to finish it up. And after the album got panned, you know, they lost a record deal. Doom had really no other things going on. So that affected him. That hit him really hard. Yeah. um, Like I said, just a few hours ago, I was kind of delving into like a bit of a biography history of uh, MF Doom. And I heard about this tragedy with his brother getting run over. And from then, at that point, he was kind of like wandering like somewhat aimlessly, I guess. Yeah, he was. Um, he, he described it as being uh, damn near homeless. He was sleeping right. on a park bench um, sometime between... 94 and 97, he was living like this. But during the time, he had relocated from Long Beach down to Atlanta, Georgia. That was one thing that he said, like when he's, they mentioned that he was, quote unquote, damn near homeless, that um, that was a point where I think it was at this time he had a kid. Dude, yeah. I love this story. If it's a story I think you're talking about. Where, well, maybe it is. I'm not too sure. Where he said if he had like 50 cents, he would like go get a beer. If he had a dollar, he would get two. Yeah, after <laughs> dropping his kid off. At- yeah. And I, I'm the first, the, what I got from that particular story was like 50 cents for a beer. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, he's probably talking like OEs and shit, you right. know, stuff that, you know, a nice Mickey's or something. Goes, yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But surprisingly, mom. they're only like 4.7% alcohol, but they get you trashed. Yeah. Yeah. I, for sure. Um, 40, 40 ounce of malt liquor will do that too. <laughs> Love it. Um, but during the whole time, um, Doom is still fucking with music as he can. And by 97, he reappears in Manhattan. I believe he's still based in Georgia at the time, but makes his way up that way and starts showing up uh, doing incognito freestyling. And uh, the character that resulted from that is the character of MF Doom. So, Doom, and you can find this on Wikipedia because basically all this stuff you can find from a few interviews and some Wikipedia because that's about all he ever let us know about his life. Right. Um, we just have mostly the, the products that he left us to work with and to attempt to understand him through these characters, I guess, if you want to go that far. 
Um, but uh, Doom came about because he kind of took a little bit of a mercenary approach to a lot of his music in life where he's like, oh, I kind of just put these records out and if people liked what they were listening to, they try to get a hold of me and be like, hey, you got anything more? And then maybe he'd produce for somebody. Mm-hmm. Or if you like what someone was fucking with, he would rap over something they did or he'd collab with them outright. But he never really tied himself down to a record label I don't think ever again, really. Okay. Because you look at his release, the regular music, he's got like Stone's Throw, uh, fuck, and a bunch of others I'm forgetting. He, he pretty much stayed independent most, yes. this whole time? Maybe like a true underground right. rapper. Um, and he just worked with his whole persona, particularly the one that he made up of Doom. So uh, Doom came from childhood nickname, just based off his last name, Doomalay, they just call him Doom. Right. The MF, though, came during his uh, time. There was a, another rapper out there uh, that was a buddy of Doom's who went by the moniker of MF Grimm. And the MF was kind of flexible. So for Grimm, he was Mad Flow's Grimm. MF Doom was for Metal Face Doom because of the mass that he later adopted. Right. You know, um, before I found that out, I thought it was, uh, you, see, you see the word, you see the initials MF, you think motherfucking Motherfucker, Doom. Yeah. yeah, motherfucking Doom or something like that. Of course, that wasn't the case. Right. Metal Face. And uh, using the MF, uh, Doom used it again when he uh, produced, a, I think it was like 10 albums worth of just instrumentals he fucked with. Um, on the Special Herbs collection, um, where the MF, it was a Metal Fingers Presents. Okay. Um, and so that was kind of his, uh, I think he was, if he didn't get like a straight up Doom credit for producing an album, I think he was under Metal Fingers in other contexts, and maybe I'm just fucking that up. Okay. Um, I don't read the details on every Wikipedia track listing, you know. <laughs> I mean, considering the, the amount of work it would take probably. Yeah, longer. just... And then just remembering that crap yeah. and a bunch of other wormholes of phones. Like, oh, this guy, who else did you fuck with? Yeah. Uh, famously, though, Doom is the guy behind the mask. For him, in interviews, he talked about how at around that time when he was coming back into hip-hop, that it started becoming what the artist looked like versus what it sounded like. Right. And... So put on the mask, Doom's got a thing where it's basically it's, you know, anyone can be the villain, you know, what is your message? What is in your heart? You know, the villain could be me, the villain could be you. And he's uh, said as much on uh, a track, I believe, on the Venomous Villain album, um, which was a another character of his, which we'll get into because there's a weird little thing with that that frustrates me because it's kind of a neat album but it's hard to get access to mm-hmm. anyway um so if you kind of think the mf doom character think dr doom himself and there were a series of other characters that doom created and would perform under which were uh victor vaughn so a playoff of victor von doom and also king Ghidorah. So, or King Ghidra from 
the Toho Godzilla movies. Was that one of his... Uh, his characters, yeah. His characters? And, yeah, basically based off of and then another piece where it's like, oh, perhaps he knows what's up because he had asked an interview like what Ghidra looks like because he's like, because the interview's like, you know, Ghidra's not even of this world, is he? He's like, nah, think straight reptilian. He's the three-headed dragon from the Toho films. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was interesting to use the term like straight reptilian. Right. And uh, now, even with all his different characters, was he still wearing a mask or is he taking off like a different kind of Still wearing the same mask to produce in or whatever, but... uh, Okay, but still just under a different name though. Yeah, just under a different name. And in his creative process he conceives himself more like a writer and so having different characters a different perspective to tell a story is more interesting than just him writing from his perspective uh, perspective right because he said it would just be damn boring um <laughs> yeah <well. laughs> but as these characters are kind of broken down um conceptualizes of the mf doom characters kind of being the og kind of gangster you know, classic villain, but also with the same classic kind of like tragic situation that villains find themselves in is where they're actually misunderstood. Victor Vaughn is kind of like a young blood. He doesn't always agree with Doom, Mm -hmm. but he still looks up to him because Doom's an OG. And then King Ghidorah's relationship to this is that he's out in fucking space and he sends his message to which Doom is the fucking emissary <laughs> and so I'm like, oh shit, reptilian beings from outer space conveying a message or worldview through a human. Holy shit, does Doom kind of know what's up with the, or did he kind of know what's up with the reptilian agenda? Oh, well, maybe. Do you think about that stuff? You think maybe at some point he was like writing stuff regarding like that specifically? Um, or is there other tracks that he has that where like he hints at that, or is he subtle about it? Is there like pretty there's some tracks where overt- he's he's very vocal about um, sort of conspiracy theory level stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about it later. Um, but he's of the Cuff album. He's got a track about GMOs. Um, okay. He's got a track about you know washing your hands because bacteria and stuff like that can fucking kill you. Um, that's the album that Governor was on. Okay. Right, um, right. <laughs> where he's talking about fucking, you know, eating people and shit or beings eating people. Which uh, when we get to it is very, yeah. uh, a track that kind of like another time where I was listening and kind of was taken aback or it gave me like uh, almost like a physical reaction in some way. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned that to you before and we'll yeah. get to that. So at this juncture, we're going to slide into kind of the the main and kind of influ- impactful, in my opinion, albums that Doom produced. Okay. Um, so under the MF Doom persona, he released uh, Operation Doomsday in 1999. Why don't you tell him about the time we faced Doom? Was that the first? That was his first album as Doom. Um, So previously, although he was under the Doom persona, he didn't you know do some tracks with folks. But this is the first album that MF Doom is doing, and uh, he's 
I would say at this point in his life, he's definitely the first, you know, kind of 10 years that he's active, pretty prolific. So we have 99 with Operation Doomsday, 2001. I, and I don't remember how many years it took for him to complete it all, but he started the Special Herbs uh, instrumental albums. Now, were those released like regularly, or like they just kind of like would just come out every so often? Like, I don't know the individual releases, like dates among these, you know, collections. But uh, you're saying Special Herbs, but is he releasing these as MF Doom and it's called Special Herbs? Oh, it's called Special Herbs. Mm -hmm. as like Special Herbs Volume 1, 2. I think there's 10 of them. But it's as MF Doom, though. Um, as Metal Fingers. Metal Fingers, okay. Yeah, Metal mm -hmm. Fingers Presents Special Herbs Volume. I got you, okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and all the tracks have some sort of like flower or plant name. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess I'll ask you this question when we go through all the characters. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, actually, we hit some of the characters, or we've already gone through kind of the right. main three characters he is, but what you got? Uh, well, basically, I was going to ask, like, would a person know that it's him or they're kind of just, <coughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think so, because, uh, well, I think they would know, they'd be able to recognize Doom. Um, right. Because although he's coming from a perspective, it doesn't mean that the, wordplay, some of his cadence. He's not changing up his voice in any way, really. Right. It was that, that was like another thing it was because, I mean, he's changing the names on like some of these albums, like as the character. One, one like for instance, um, was it JJ Doom? Yeah. Was another one? Um, would, the, would the average listener know, assuming that they're not necessarily following, like for instance, maybe he, he releases something under a different name and someone is a fan of his but they don't necessarily know that he's the one releasing something. Oh. Does he come out and promote himself as MF Doom releasing it as under this character? That I do not know. Yeah, because I, I was kind of confused by that. and it's Not really confused, but like uh, it, it brought up the question because if he's coming up with different characters, would someone who's a fan of his and maybe wants to explore all the other stuff that he's doing, would they be able to know that it's him specifically? putting this stuff out because oh. if it's a different character name, right. They might, maybe they might not even like give it a second glance thinking that, Oh, I don't know who that is. Or maybe I just don't care. But if it, they knew if it was MF doom, they were like, Oh, interesting. Maybe I should check that out. Shit. I mean, that's a really good question. I don't know how yeah. he promoted shit. Um, Con considering it was like in the internet's infancy. Right. Know? I mean, I don't know how prevalent or, how much of a presence he had on the internet at the time. So to be fair, he gets his uh kind of his big launch off part point in uh 2004. Right, okay. Um that's when he kind of like hits it more like this is where Doom definitely starts getting attention. Okay. Um and uh it kind of starts in 2003, I would think arguably. Mm -hmm. Um because that year he released uh, two albums where he actually, for the first time, introduced the Victor Vaughn character right. with the Vaudeville Villain album. King Ghidra did have 
some time on the Operation Doomsday album where there's literally one of the tracks where it says King Ghidra's rapping on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, people, some nerd has described, like, the King Ghidra album as, like, Doom's one of his best, like, cool space operas, opera-esque. <sighs> Fuck, what was the terminology used for it? It's I would say it's definitely a concept album, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of wild because it took me a while to kind of come around on it uh, because Dooms takes the backseat on this album. Right. Um, and I was there for Doom and more of the development of this Ghidra character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess I didn't really kind of understand how Doom worked at that point when I was first dismayed with the album. No. You're saying the the Ghidra character, like, but that's MF Doom, though, right? Yeah, MF Doom as this character. But is or he... Or Daniel Dumoulin as... Become, like, as right. King Ghidra, as Victor Bond, as MF Doom. But is, is there a change in his uh, style? Style? I would say Doom, the MF Doom character is a little bit more... Although he does go hard, he's more kind of the buttery smooth verses mm-hmm. where I feel as the Victor Vaughn character is more aggressive mm. and King Ghidra, it's, it either goes from kind of like bow down to me feels at times to, is that like more of a, um, the exaggerated ego character like coming out or something like, because I know earlier you mentioned that in most of these uh, albums, depending if it's like instrumentals or something, like he didn't really change his uh, his voice, his uh, vocal stylings, or uh, uh, just the way he kind of presented his rhymes and stuff like that. So I was kind of wondering, does this character does he like change it up a lot enough? Because you you said like you were there for MF Doom, but you kind of have to come around a little bit. Well, come around a little bit later. Because I wanted to hear Dumoulet. Right. I guess it would be a better way to put it. Okay. Um, but he's not very present on the album. There's a couple tracks. I think there's like three tracks he actually raps on. Okay. So on he lets, this. does he let someone else do it? Yeah. He's, okay. but he's doing like most of the, most of the instrumentals for okay, it. Okay. All right. See, um, that's, so he, that's what I was kind of curious about. Word. Um, cause you kind of had that, you know, mercenary approach. Right. Um, right. right. Just makes it more intriguing to where I personally want to like dive a little bit deeper into like his other personas or like his other characters. Yeah. To see where uh, I would say the Dumoulin character, MF Doom, Ghidra, or uh, Victor Vaughn kind of like where do they all kind of meet or where they're all kind of separate, you know? It just, it just makes for a more interesting artist exploration than just knowing what you might be expecting if it's just the general band or an artist who kind of just goes solo and does the same thing over and over again. Um, but yeah, I was just kind of curious because like, um, when, as, as we're discussing it, there seems to be a, a difference, but not, but yet he has these different characters that might yeah, have a different and, perspective. And that would have been, that was one thing that the previous playlist that came up with was a little bit better at because I was trying to approach it where we got a good taste of each of these characters. Mm-hmm. 
Um, like I had a couple of Gidra tracks, I had a couple of fucking Vaughn. And, and, and like even just listening to those tracks and like um, even listening to it in my car, you know, I'm I'm seeing like the titles come up and stuff like that, and I'm seeing somebody like like a different name or something like that. I I was kind of like thinking to myself, was this is this same, right? Is this right? Like, <laughs> was it supposed to be on there? But again, that's where my uh, ignorance to MF Doom as as an artist comes into play, and where uh, I guess a, a deeper exploration would yeah, be and, required. I'm, and I'm still trying to figure it out because right. there's. Um, when it comes to his characters, um, he was asked, you know, why Doom is kind of the most prevalent or whatever. And he's like, oh, that's just, that's just who you've seen the most of. But at any one point, Doom could take a back, back step and then Ghidra's in the forefront doing a bunch of stuff. But one thing that I am conflicted with on occasion is on stuff that he features on, and other side projects, his collaborations. Um, he's talking about, you know, you know I'm, I'm still Doom, you know, MF Doom, da 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 But with certain verses, it's like, is this more of a Victor Vaughn track? Is this more of a Ghidra sort of thing? Um, it's got to be somewhat difficult in a way where if he's writing something, is he, whenever he's focused, I guess, on a, Whatever he's writing, is he writing? Can he can he switch from different characters, whenever he's creating, to where like maybe like he one day he worked on this thing, and that's MF Doom. Maybe another day, this is before like an yeah, album right. drops, you know. And then maybe he just collects the MF Doom stuff together, and then to put on an album, or does he like switch characters when he's making an album, or just as he's writing the process, like the character kind of. I think takes it, on this persona, or he, t- he takes on this persona. I think it's kind of both because there's um, an album out there that's not even an album. It was a now defunct project, um, but it was in collaboration with Adult Swim, where uh, it was the uh, the Lost Notebook rhymes. Uh, where for 15 weeks, once a week, Adult Swim was going to drop a new Doom track. And in the seven that got released before it got canceled for reasons that are still not clear, um, he's got a track as Victor Vaughn. But the rest is Doom. So I don't know if how he really decided, like, oh, I'm going to make a Doom album. I'm feeling really Doomy or I'm feeling <laughs> real Vaughn-y. Yeah. But he did talk about in his creative process where he would get a piece of music that he was either making or receive, and then the music would kind of inform him of okay. what to write. And he'd think you. of, like, a word or an idea or something, and then trying to have this conversation with the music mm-hmm. to try to figure out what actually works. Um, right. And depending on, like, I guess the certain type of wordplay that he's using might be a certain character. Potentially, yeah. Because um, there are tracks in the Victor Vaughn offerings that um, involve muggings and kind of street life. Mm-hmm. Whereas 
dooms drinking beers and right. you know talking about food. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I was actually surprised I didn't include any tracks off of the mm, food album because it was yeah. a fun concept <laughs> album of his. Uh, yeah. But um. Uh, but moving on. Also, um, a funny title, by the way. Yeah. Mm, food. <laughs> and it's just yeah, it's just a. Also, okay. play on the MF. Play, thing. Yeah. <laughs> play on the MF Doom exactly. Um. So 2003, we get you know take me to your leader and Vaudeville villain. In 2004, we get fucking three albums from Doom this year. We get um, Venomous Villain, which was a follow-up to Vaudeville Villain. And it's something where I I can't remember if he did it with Roadrunner Records or who he worked with necessarily. But he did come up with a second Victor Vaughn album. But now you can't find it in print. Okay. It's not on Spotify. Like the only place I found it available is on YouTube where just some kind citizen, you know, threw it up yeah. for, for us nerds. Hmm. Um, I, I, I assume as many albums that aren't on Spotify from like particular, like if an artist has their complete discography on there, it's something having to do with the, the fact that the current, uh, owners of said artists or something don't have the rights to a particular album, which is always very strange. To right. Me. So it's, yeah. it's something like that with yeah. Venomous Villain, but some, some random probably defunct, uh, record label has the rights to it. And, but they're not releasing those rights or something. I don't know. Like it's, it's just funky stuff. Yeah. So we have Venomous Villain, um, food comes out this year as well as Mad Villainy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the debut grand opening of Mad Villain Bistro Bed and Breakfast Ball Grill. Which, and this is where the the springboard moment really for Doom to get the spotlight because he got to work with Mad Lib, who was a very well-respected producer. And he's got some really cool albums. Uh, Just... Where one where it's like uh, Mad Lib invades the blues and he goes and hits just classic blues tracks and fucks with them and gives them kind of like a more of a like a jazz hop feel and it's great listening. But Mad Lib and Doom collaborated and this is kind of one of those. So speaking of his process and stuff, I mean, I still think this story is almost magical because you have one of the best produced. And well, or sorry, best one of the best regarded hip hop albums of all time, produced within a very short time frame between two people who hardly spoke to each other. Um, <laughs> they ended up flying Doom out to LA and they stayed at this, you know, place up in the hills somewhere. Um, there was what they called the bunker, so there was a basement there, and Madlib would spend all day down there just working on beats, doing me up on the deck writing. They'd send each other, you know, what they were working on. And so once again, this kind of like as Doom approaches his own stuff where like the music informs what he writes about, his joints, as he called them, and Mad Lib's beats would kind of be their conversation. 
and they'd made they basically sit down. They wouldn't see each other for like two, three days at a time. You know, just that was like intentional. Was that like it was just how they ended up working? And Dean okay. describes how like you know they almost operated on like you know telepathy, um, just kind of letting whatever the one would send the other kind of like just yeah, and they just and they just you know talk very briefly according to doom about this because he's just you know hey you know i'm i'm working as fast as i can without uh having an impact on quality because i'm trying to get back to my kids right and my family and shit and madeline's kind of working under that same mindset and they would just do their own thing collaborate a little bit and be like okay i need a little bit here a little bit there i need a verse from you on this here and then split up <laughs> that's you know surprisingly that's kind of the way a lot of things are done now because i know a lot of uh i guess even with like the whole pandemic thing like even before that yeah some your personal with yeah. the internet and everyone allowed or any, everyone able to kind of record have a basically have a, basically a recording studio at their beck and call on their computer and stuff like that people record something send it to somebody else they add something to it Get maybe some notes, and basically it's everyone living in separate quarters, kind of mm -hmm. just throwing stuff at each other, and that's how they write a song, you know. Um, it's it's strange, but they were like like in the same place, yeah, <laughs> just not same really house, yeah, it is. yeah. That's that's strange, but hey, whatever works, you know. But yeah, um, that's the process. That's the process. And you know, Mad Villainy just well, such a good album, like. It, it's just delicious how good it is, you know, particularly on a decent set of headphones. It's just yeah. Um, the only time I heard about that album and how good it is, I haven't heard the whole album yet. Mm -hmm. I've only heard like certain tracks from the playlist and stuff like that. Um, was from you and the the YouTuber Anthony Fantano. Yeah, yes. like he's talked about that as well. So, um, and even before, like months months ago. When we talk, we've been like slowly talking about this uh, episode and stuff like that. Um, I know he did like a tier list of like album, like, mm -hmm. and that was kind of like I think that was close to the top. I'm not too sure. Like the, I don't remember the entire list, but I did watch that whole thing and kind of his descriptions on uh, the albums that he's done. After the fantastic year Doom had with his three releases, he followed up in 2005 with a probably the collaboration that really got him into the minds of probably a lot of people in our generation because mm -hmm. uh it was a collaboration that was blessed by adult swim it was uh, the mouse and the mask where doom once again worked with another well-regarded producer uh danger mouse right um for the danger doom project uh This was Doom had a lot of fun tracks in here. There's one on the list that I just think it's just Doom kind of at his buttery smooth, cool, calm, collected, just giving you lots of little stories within the major story. Um, because I think he works, you know, because he even talks about that kind of working like making like kind of like almost like comic book panels. Yeah. And there's times where he I get taken away where I'm just like following the story, but then all of a sudden he's talking about another scenario 
And then there's a whole little internal structure and logic for that. And it's like, oh, shit. And then it's like, oh, we're still talking about the same fucking guy. Wow, what the fuck? But this album's a lot of fun because a lot of the skits were done by, were inclusions from adults from properties like Space Ghost, mm-hmm. uh, fucking Oxygen Hunger Force. And so I think that's when Doom kind of really kind of blew up on kind of the more mainstream eye. Right. Um, and then I think it was uh, the next year, I think it was in 2006, it was, uh, they did a like Christmas with Doom special where he's just, you know, the host doing like little like bits in between. Yeah, you know, I, like, I saw a few clips of that. Word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and when we come back from being back, we have the Fat Santa contest featuring myself, the super villain against the real Santa in a pot belly throwdown to the death. Ho, ho. Uh, confused a bit. Ho. I was like, no, oh, he seems like he's. Before before watching that, I thought MF Doom was more of a serious like, like but he can take the fun out of some shit too, you know. Like I mean, yeah, this is a guy who fucking works in fucking Star Trek references, right? Back to the future references, you know. Just I, I think it's more that his his uh, his style, his flow, the way it is, it's very. Oh. Uh, I I don't know the words for it, but it seemed a bit more serious in a way. But lyrically is where he's kind of like, oh, he's got out the so fun, much you know? humor in there. Yeah. Now, and some of my favorite moments where he like talks, like says in different ways where he's like been drinking and he came up with an idea or famously this track almost made it. But there's a bit where he says, I wrote this, I wrote this oath while pitching, pinching a loaf. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. his references, you know, to the bathroom, you know. You know, don't mind me. I wrote this one lightly over two or three high knees, and boy, was they fine G. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I remember that lyric. <laughs> yeah, I almost, uh, I almost got Heineken for this occasion, so I'm glad to see you brought it. Um, well, me being a well, yeah, Heineken yeah. drinker. You know? <laughs> so after Wrestling the Mask, Dune took a little bit of a break. Uh, he did feature on certain tracks, but this was taken to the main releases. But he's back in a... 2009 with Born Like This. This isn't as an Afro trim. All big letters, but it isn't no acronym. Smack the thing, grin off a tin for crack smoke. Where DDT, the first arguably a fourth character is developed because he just goes by Doom. As far as the MF Doom character, I don't think that they're distinguishable, but I just thought it was interesting and it was never really accounted for why he just went, no, I'm Doom on this. Um... And you uh, did another album uh, called Unexpected Guests um, where I don't believe it was like a MF Doom release, but it was just something that he was heavily on and with a bunch of uh, tracks. Uh, some of them are that were collaborative or collated for that are on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes another short break and... Uh, and it's been 2010 that he gets denied re-entry to the United States. We're going to go back right. to this because uh, he'd been out touring, came to the port of entry. They said no. Um, it's never been revealed why he was denied re-entry. So he had to go back to fucking England. He was separated from his family for like three years before he can get their asses over there. Right, yeah. Um, it doesn't really stop him because he still puts out a few records and a bunch of you know mm-hmm. guest spots after that point. I guess he's just, you know, sending it by carrier pigeon, you know, from the UK. Mm, yeah. In 2012, he snaps back with uh, Keys to the Cuffs under the under the name J.J. Doom. 
catch a throat full from the fire. Yes, he was. I'm going to butcher this name because I've never heard it pronounced. Um, but it's a uh, Gennaro Jarrell who produced a majority of the music for this album as a really fun collab. Um, 2014, he collaborates with uh, Bishop Nauru for Nauruvian Doom. And at the time, I believe uh, Bishop Nauru was 17 years old. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it's one where Doom takes the backseat on. He produces all the tracks on, raps on a couple of them. And it's a cool album. And there's a track on there called uh, Great Things where Doom, once again, where the thing is, I think he kind of got it because in his music, he brings up, like, you know, opening your third eye and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, And this is on the 17 year olds. Album. Yeah. Okay. And you have heard this album? Yes. Okay. Nobody and Doom is a really fucking good album, actually. And there's a cool track on there where Doom only does the hook for, mm-hmm. but it's called Ohm. Okay. And it's got, you know, like some cut in from some record or something where they're talking about meditation and stuff. And, you know, they're like, yeah, where does this come from? Da, 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 da. You know, what is Ohm kind of about? about? And it's it's a fly album. Okay. Um, so, once again, Doom kind of, as he wrote in on a track in Born Like This, you know, reappear, disappear, reappear again. <laughs> Another three years goes by before we get um, the, what I'm calling the scandal of the no, missing notebook rhymes, where for some reason Adult Swim just, cut ties with doom and no reason was given. They just had this like kind of formal, you know, boilerplate, you know, all right, you know, we just are no longer affiliating with MF doom. And, and there was no like reasoning behind yeah, it. Nothing. And, you know, doom didn't comment on it, but they probably had some sort of tight NDA on it or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of cool tracks on that, um, <laughs> for the seven that were offered. Right. Um, we get to hear back from Victor Vaughn after years, which was really cool. And then 2018 and 2021, he collaborated on two more albums, uh, both with Zarface, uh, Zarface, Zarface meets Metal Face in 2018, and Super What in 2021. And some of those arguably doomed to kind of a backseat as well on those. Um, I thought particularly on Zarfis meets Metal Face that he'd been mm-hmm. more present because he's just, he's the second name on the fucking album. You know? right. But don't feel that like we get very much doom there. Um, that kind of sums up doom a little bit as far as his, album releases, some of his early life, but one thing that I would be remiss without going into or remiss for going, for not going into would be how Doom's concerts worked out sometimes. If he wasn't feeling the venue for any reason, he would send out a Doom bot. So in Marvel Comics, 
Dr. Doom would send out robotic ver- robot versions of himself to go fight the Fantastic Four or whatever when he okay. didn't want to go do it or it was a distraction or whatever. If Doom wasn't feeling something, he would fucking send in a Doom bot to go like lip sync <laughs> at his concerts. And he got confronted fucking by- Fucking mask, right? Yeah. Like, of course, like he could do that. And he got confronted by Talib Kweli at one point about it. And he's like, Doom's response was like, I'm the I'm the motherfucking villain, you know. Yeah, like <laughs> it should be expect, almost expected. Like, uh, yeah, like it's like it just totally worked into his like persona, um, or one of the personas of his characters, and it was just fucking brilliant. Uh, famously, uh, I think it was at an Adult Swim festival. Doom sent in a Doom bot that was <laughs> Hannibal Beerus. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's something to see. I would, and no one would have that on film, right? I, I would mean, imagine so. Because I'm kind of curious how Hannibal Boris would like lip sync these songs. You know? Yeah. Does um, he even like singing? Does he just have the mic to his face and just? I'm not sure if it was at that show or another where the fans were like booing the Doombot off mm-hmm. stage. So Doom came out and actually did the show. <laughs> <laughs> but now, how, how could normally anyone tell though? Like, yeah. See, you know. Because Doom famously was able to show up to his own shows without a mask on, check out the opening acts, sit there at the bar, have a few drinks. No one would go backstage, put on the mask, perform, go off stage, take the mask off, go sit right back down to that fucking bar. Like no one would know. I mean, that's that's how no one knew what the fuck this guy looked like, you know. And there's been you know internet sleuths that have like tried hard to get photos of Dumoulin without a mask or whatever. Right. And really the best I've seen is photos of him circa the early nineties. Yeah. In as of love X and yeah. the KMD projects. Yeah. I mean, um, this is going online. Anything that I saw of his face face, like his regular face was from that early, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't recall seeing anything uh of his i guess what he would look like now which wouldn't be much different but it's still like if you don't if you're not used to someone's face enough you could probably just bypass them and not even think twice about no. it so um, that's probably like um guys from fucking like kiss or like slipknot or something like that <laughs> probably, if they had never taken off the fucking mask or makeup and stuff they could have gone through life no. without anyone knowing who the fuck they were it's a good or bad thing, depending on how you look at that kind of stuff. So. Which I don't know if Corey Taylor's hubris would have allowed him to get away <laughs> right. with it, but I think the rest of the band probably yeah. could have gotten away with, like, you know. I have to make stone sour so they can see my face. <laughs> <laughs> God, anyway, we're about to get attacked by Corey Taylor, I'm sure. You know. uh, he'll be fine. Um, <laughs> so uh, at this point in time, I guess we'll slip into, even though you – Mentioned a little bit, Ray, but uh, personal histories with MF Doom, you know, first herds and all that stuff. Well, since mine's pretty short, I'll go first. Um, My history is you telling me about MF Doom, uh, just just mentioning the, just mentioning him as an artist, you know, because I mean, again, I think that probably one of the first times I actually heard of the name MF Doom was when we did that. Uh, hip hop apocalypse uh, list for your for your birthday uh, month, 
and um, where we all kind of like gave our own versions of what we like of hip hop. What well, hip hop means, means to, to me. me. Yeah. <laughs> and I had mentioned before, and this is kind of still the same now, but like I feel like now in my later years of 13, um, I'm starting to appreciate hip hop more. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it really uh, about knocked me out of my socks when I got the message from you uh, two, three weeks ago about how you were getting into uh, Wu Tang. Yeah, like I just started, and, and you're, but you just sounded the tune of like, like I think I'm starting to get it or something like that. Yeah, but the, the way you worded it, I was just like, oh shit, like it finally happened. Like yeah. I got to like pull Ray into like right because I'm 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 come from mostly like uh, pop rock, rock punk, uh, metal. Uh, mostly punk and like pop yeah, rock. Yeah, punk is like one of my weakest suits. So like, I'm really excited about the future of our friendship and this program, <laughs> incidentally. Yeah, just exploring just, different, you know, yo, yeah. like, because I know it's a huge thing, you know, like I'm, yeah. I've been listening to, uh, listen to, actually, I think I finished it, but the, the first injury from No Dogs in Space talking about the uh, Velvet Underground. Right, right. You know, and I want to go back and check their earlier stuff, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, I'm not even really sure I've properly heard a Velvet Underground track, but I know right. who these people are. You right, know? Like, right. I know Lou Reed, mm-hmm. you know, but. And I mean, some of us, like, most, the last thing we heard of Lou Reed was Lou Reed and Metallica. Yeah. The collaboration Lou, was just bad. Yeah. Which is bad. <laughs> um, but, like I said, I, I've only stuck kind of in the hip-hop genre or, like, years, decades, 80s, 90s. Again, Beastie Boys, and I'm more as Beastie Boys. I kind of got into more because as a kid, they seem fun. Word, they're just like, don't just taking the piss out of shit, you know, not taking it too seriously. And as I got older, and I like Run DMC, uh, LO Cool J, and stuff Word. like that, as I listened to as a kid, but never really delved into it because again, mine was more like listening to Queen, the Beatles, Rolling Stones, a lot of like uh, 70s, 60s, 50s music, like pop music and stuff like that. Um, Even R&B and all that kind of stuff. Um, But as far as hip hop in the 90s was primarily like Notorious Mm -hmm. B.I.G., Tupac, all that kind of stuff. All the hits. I never delved too deep into any of it. Like just whatever came out on the radio, whatever came out on MTV, that's basically what I would listen to. And again, not seek it out entirely, just enjoy it whenever it showed up. And then when it came up to um, anything past 2000s, I really didn't know anything. I heard of Kanye West. Uh, I heard of uh, some of the College Dropout album. Um, Again, just the hits, just anything, other singles that came out. And when it came to MF Doom and we did that episode, I uh, only heard the tracks that you presented. Right. And so that's the extent of my history. As long as this uh, program has been around, as whenever that episode dropped, that's where my MF Doom. years ago. Yeah, that's where my history of MF Doom comes from. And anytime you've mentioned it before, yeah. and then whenever we talked about this episode, and... Uh, the collection of songs that you put together for the original uh, mix, I that's when I started listening mm-hmm. to it more. And again, first track comes off of that. Hey, surprised me. Wasn't expecting that. I hadn't heard anyone else do that before. Maybe there have been, but at that point, I had not heard anyone like uh, pulling a child's cartoon to <laughs> make the music for that. You know, but yeah, that's the extent of it. Word. Mm-hmm. 
uh, my history doesn't go that far back. Uh, I think I first acquired one of these special herbs albums, but at that time I was looking for more and I'm still about that more. I'm more lyricism over Mm. instrumentality or instrumentation rather. Um, so checking out this album, like it sounded cool and all that, but I was like, where the fuck is the rapping? So it's kind of shelved them because I'd read somewhere online about MF doom being badass, And I was like, all right, cool. Check it out. And, where I got, I was like, well, where's the rap? You know? <laughs> right. Um, and what year was this roughly? 2014. Oh, so it wasn't too long. No, ago, yeah. Right. That's what I was saying. Like, you know, but just when I think it was probably 2017, uh-huh. maybe 16, where I started actually encountering Doom tracks with mm-hmm. verses on them and then just. Fell in. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Just love the characters, love the wordplay. Yeah, just the beats were fucking fucking ill. Yeah. yeah. And just fell in super hard. And I've been kind of just studying him ever since pretty consistently. You know, every mm-hmm. once in a while stray and explore another artist or deep dive into something I've known but haven't listened to in a while. But I just keep coming back to this fucking guy. It's like, mm-hmm. dude, you know, and in interviews, he talked about like part of the creative process because there's a verse famously where he talks about like, you know, I might be at the kind of food or it's kind of like the food that you put on or something you put on uh, movie theater food. And he goes, um, and he switched to jalapenos rather than butter. He'll, do these things where he describes it as kind of like, you know, stepping to the left, trying to catch himself by surprise even as well, because that's part of hip hop. Like, and he'll just do like a light misdirection. You know, there's a verse where he talks about, you know, where it's leading up to where the party could use more bitches, but then he does like a little throat clearing and says booze instead, Mm -hmm. but it was just, you know, change a word here, change a word there catch you in a lull and then just flip it on you and mm-hmm. it's something different, but it still fits. It's just right. this interesting ass wordplay. And, and even when I kind of get the fucking verse and it's like, wait a second, I don't get it because there's generally something else going on, right. whether I'm reading it too much into it or not. But the fact that, or the fact still stands that I still go back and go, Oh shit. Yeah. That's a line. And I mean, I will say that whenever I was looking at the lyrics and stuff, there's times where I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Word. And I just wanted them like, I didn't want to, I was like trying to think like, am I not seeing clearly what he's saying? Or maybe he's like, I'm, maybe you have to, it takes a few like read throughs or just listens to kind of like gra- grasp well, what I, he's trying I to say. I have to fucking, you know, use the search engine like, constantly listening to doom right because it'll sound like nonsense or some not or some person that doesn't actually exist but it just fits in the rhyme but like mm. oh no actually you know i need to tighten it up like the drills of archie bell mm-hmm. archie bell and the drills was a fucking band right you now he talks about you know how something is like handcrafted by a robotic herbie hancock 
that was a real guy in right, music, yeah. you know, and just puts in all. And so I'm just like, huh. Well, see, like, like a lot of those like kind of comparisons whenever they drop a name and you're not aware of who that person is. And even listening to like uh, the Beastie Boys and stuff, whenever they say, uh, they say something like, um, whatever, they drop a person's name. You have to like listen. You have to like do a little search yeah. to see who they're dropping this person's name because they described something here. So in order to get the context of like what they're trying to, yeah, and uh, inform, like what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, the way they're trying to like make the description so you can visually see it, you have to know this like almost this person's background to yeah, get that and, reference. Yeah, and that's should I just love because it's it's. Because Doom considered himself as a writer. Right, yeah. And I feel that that's appropriate in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. he said there's in references, various kinds of musical artists, mm-hmm. um, just the way life works in certain social contexts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lost my train of thought since we have our new guest in the building. <laughs> um yeah, and it's just like any old writer making a reference to some actor or yeah. whatever at the time, and then you don't really get that, so you see, you know, like, oh, Catherine Hepburn, and it's like, oh, and then I saw Breakfast at Tiffany's, where that or that movie is, and it's like, yeah. oh, now I kind of get yeah. it, you know, yeah. why this is relevant, you know? Yeah. Um, because there's times where he is definitely addressing stuff that's, very kind of common core culture, right? Stuff from Star Trek or whatever, but then yeah. he'll uh, just jump back and he'll, he'll and they'll like throw out some like uh, obscure name that you're not even like. I guess the common person's not aware unless oh, they, yeah, yeah. And so I think you know potentially you know a writer's a great yeah. description that he came up for himself, you know, and because every once in a while you're like because. At least he didn't choose the term "I'm an artist," right? Which, you know, but <laughs> yeah, but you would argue that yeah, I would he say does he fit. Is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's. I would say it's better for you to not label yourself an artist. Let other people do it for you. Yeah, yeah. Label yourself something else. But I mean, at this point, I would say that he is an artist. Yeah, I would agree. It just yeah. it was just interesting, you know, because you have. Fucking people interviewing him, just you know, basically yeah. at you know, in a bad state, mm-hmm. and he's just sitting there, just laid back, just like, oh yeah, you know, like that's how it is, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and he's very. And one thing I really appreciate about Doom is like, you know, no matter how intelligent he is, you know, he's getting these posts from like relatively simple questions, but he'll still take a minute and be like. And collect himself and think about how to respond to it, mm-hmm. you know, rather than have his like canned responses and shit, which is, yeah, which kind of, which was kind of cool. Or maybe I'm just, you know, standing doom super hard right now. Yeah. Um, but I think he always had like a great patience and consideration for the questions posed. Mm-hmm. Um, one of his funniest interviews, he, he interviews himself for e-diction. He's just reading off questions off of like, you know, cards. Right. And one is, uh, you know, tell us five things that we don't know about you. 
And number one for him is, well, y'all don't know anything about me. That's the whole point. Yeah. And <laughs> and later he's, you know, kind of unveiling some of these, you know, five things you don't know about him. Mm-hmm. He's He catches up. He's like, oh, wait a minute. You almost got an old man slipping or whatever because the whole <laughs> thing is like this stuff that it's interesting because you don't know about it. Right, you know? yeah, <laughs> yeah. But always keeping up that mystery, yeah. I guess, you know. It's a good thing. Like, uh, if you know too much about an artist, that I mean, I think a lot of artists or musicians or whoever, and they ha- they start off with that veil of mystery. Later on, the more they reveal themselves, that kind of kills that whole. Uh, oh, are we back to Corey Taylor? Yeah, like I said, nothing. Yeah, because if they never taken off the mask, I mean, we we would know nothing about them, you know. Especially if, if they kept like their interviews pretty straightforward, not revealing too much information. Yeah. But then you, I would say Corey Taylor, even the, the other guys who from Slipknot who are in like Stone Sour or were in Stone Sour, I mean, they just revealed themselves, their faces and stuff, and then they're doing interviews without the mask. No problem. Then they just jump back to the mask, and you're just like, well, Slipknot had like a sense of uh, danger and mystery. You don't know who these people are. Who yeah. could they be behind those masks? I mean, I'd say the same thing for Kiss. In the 80s, whenever they took off the fucking makeup, you're just like, ew. <laughs> these, these motherfuckers are ugly. But whatever, you know. Yeah, and I don't think about Gwar, like, you know, how they if they would ever switch that up. But I don't think they did. But, you know, just. I, I know, like, maybe, like, the majority of the characters pretty much stayed in character majority of the time. I don't know if the singer, he had, he had died. And I don't know how many interviews there were of him. Um uh, but I yeah, they them being in his shit. Yeah, yeah. They, costume. I mean, they pretty much kept up that persona as well. And I mean, they're pretty much just like a theatrical circus show, you know. So, I mean, sure. <laughs> hey guys, we appreciate you sticking with us for this long. Uh, this is part one of MF Doom episode. Be sure to stay tuned. Uh, later on this week, we're going to be dropping episode two or part two of the MF Doom episode, in which we talk about the actual mix that we've created. We want to make sure that you follow the playlist that we have set up for this so whenever you do get to listen to the new episode or part two you'll have the playlist to accompany you so we'll see you next time thanks for listening